to today's episode. Today I am reading Neville Goddard's lecture titled, The Way. John 14 I am the way, the truth, and the light. No one comes under the Father but by me. Philip said to him, Show us the Father. And Jesus says, I have been so long with you, and yet you do not know me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father. How can they say, Show us the Father? So he is the way to what? In this passage, specifically to the Father, but he is the way to everything in this world, good, bad, or indifferent. This seems insane if you're trained to believe that God is a creator of good only and some other being other than God created the evil. There's only one creator, only one God. I kill and I make alive. I wound and I heal. There's nothing but God and God is your own wonderful human imagination. Let us now find why then we are acting as we act in this world. Let us go back to scripture, the 82nd Psalm. And God has taken his place in the divine council in the midst of the gods he holds judgment. Now God speaks. I say you are gods, sons of the Most High, all of you. Nevertheless, you shall fall and die like men and fall as one man, O princes. Now you think this took place in eternity and it's not related to us, but it is related to us. You are the gods in the state that has fallen. Not because you did anything that was wrong, it is for a purpose, a creative purpose, to expand beyond what we were prior to the fall. Here we fell into the limit of opacity and contraction called man, of flesh and blood. Regardless of the pigment of skin or nationality or any racial background, we are one. The word translated God is the Hebrew word Elohim. It is a plural word. It is translated in this passage as both God and gods. It is a compound unity, one made up of others, one made up of all the others. So here we are in this world in states. The rich man, the poor man, the man that is known, the man that is unknown, the man that is wise, the man that is foolish. All these are the gods. We are not rich or poor, known or unknown, wise or foolish. These are only states, states in which we have fallen in our sleep. For we actually fell into this world made up of infinite states. Now there's a way out of a state into another state. You can get into a state in a second. It doesn't take time. But will you remain in that state and occupy it until it seems natural? For my home is simply that state to which I most constantly return. That constitutes my home, a state. How would I know my state? Well, let me now think of my friends. Let them see me as they always see me. They know my limitations, my weaknesses. They know all the things about me, for we have discussed it, that I desire to to be seen differently in the world. First by myself, I want to transcend my limitations. So I assume that I have it, a mere assumption. But does it work? Well, now let me think of my friends. Let me see them in my mind's eye. Do they see me as they formerly saw me? Or are they seeing me as I am assuming that I am? 
If they see me, as I am assuming that I am, and empathize with me because they are friends, rejoice with me. And can I now so occupy the state that automatically I return to it long before there is anything in my world to support this claim? My senses at the moment deny it, my reason denies it, but in spite of this denial, can I still believe in Christ, and I still believe that he is the way to everything, and he is my own wonderful human imagination. Can I believe? For we actually fell into this world made up of infinite states. My senses at the moment deny it, my reason denies it, but in spite of this denial, can I still believe in Christ? And I still believe that he is the way to everything? It is my own wonderful human imagination. Can I believe? For we are told, whatever you desire believe, you have received it and you will. These are the words of Christ. Christ is called the power of God and the wisdom of God. Scripture takes wisdom. Listen to the words of the eighth of Proverbs. And the Lord possessed me at the beginning of his way. Before his works of old, I was set up as everlasting error the earth was. When he laid out the foundation of the earth, then I was beside him, like a little child. I was daily his delight, rejoicing before him always. He who finds me finds life. He who misses me injures himself. All who hate me love death. He is called the little child. Here, wisdom is exalted and personalized as God's companion in the creation of the world. Here, this is scripture. Well, who is the Christ? He is a little child, we are told, and Christ in man. Know ye not that Christ is in you? Test yourself and see whether you are holding to the faith. Do you not realize that Jesus Christ is in you? And he is a little child who is God's eternal companion in the creation of the universe. Now he contains within himself, so scripture teaches, and has made known unto me the purpose of his will, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time. So here this child contains within himself a plan, a pattern for the fullness of time. Now in the world of Caesar, you and I, the fallen gods, who came down for a purpose, can achieve any goal in this world if we know who we are and are willing to test it willing to dare it and accept the challenge that I can be the man that I dream of being by daring to assume, in spite of my senses denying it, that I am the man that I want to be and sleep in this assumption as though it were true. As a great Shakespeare said, assume a virtue if you have it not. Restrain tonight will lend a kindness of, a kind of easiness to the next abstinence and the next still more easy. So if I do it believing that it be true and it proves itself in the testing, then what does it matter what the wisdom of man tells me? For this is the wisdom of Christ. Must I know this right people? That's what men will tell me. Must I have the right educational background? That's what men will tell me. They will give me all the reasons in the world based upon what man thinks. And the wisdom of man is foolishness in the eyes of God. So if I dare to assume what I want to be and persist in that assumption until it seems natural, so that when I think of my friends, that is what they see in me, what I have assured, assumed that I am, and I act and live in this way as though it were true. Well, if time brings forward the results of my assumption, then haven't I confirmed the truth and wisdom of Christ? 
of all that is on this level. Tonight I want to take you into the level of the way. You have no idea how truly wonderful you are because you are the God that fell. You shall fall, you shall fall as one man, O princess. Together we are the God, the Lord. For the Lord is a compound unity of one made up of others. We are the gods. But there is a way by which we return to that divine congregation, <coughs> the congregation of God. And there is only one way. I am the way and the truth and the life. Here is the truth and living way. He not only points the way, for he is the pattern. He is the way. Union with Christ is the only way to God the Father. Well, how do I have union with Christ? He's in you. When he begins to erupt within me and begins to unfold this pattern, for the pattern is in me and it begins with the first personalization of Christ, which is a little child, and everyone will have this experience. Here in this world, we are born from below and we are evil. Let no one tell you we are not. The Bible teaches it. Listen to the words. The first child of Abraham, born of a slave, Hagar, his name was Ishmael. And this is the prophecy of the Lord to Ishmael. His descendants will be more numerous than you can count. Today we are three and a half billion in the world. They estimate in the not distant future there will be five billion of us. And they will go to other billions of us. These are the descendants. These fleshly bodies of Ishmael. Now this is what is said to Ishmael. His wild ass of a man, his hand shall be against every man, and every man's hand against him, and that is individual man. There isn't a moment in time we aren't killing each other, not only in our great conflicts of war and gas chambers where we put millions in it, but on the streets all over the world. We kill each other, but not only in such violence, there are more subtle ways of killing in the economic field. You can take a whole family and crush them. And then they all starve through your individual greed to take from him the little he needs to feed his little flock and actually put him to the wall economically. It has been going on since the beginning of time. So there are multiple ways of murder in this world. It didn't end with Abel's murder. It is part of the wild ass of a man that we are at birth. So man is born really an evil being and he requires a new selfhood and the ancient Ancients saw it plainly by revelation. Through the entire aggregation of experimental theory, and many of them believed what they saw and prophesied of Jesus. The prophecy is all in scripture, the coming of the Savior. Now he doesn't come as you were taught to believe. He is in you. He is a pattern of salvation buried in man. When he comes, everything said of him you experience, and you'll be taken back by this one way, by the way of Christ. From this world of sin and death back into the divine congregation, having done the job you were sent to do. And we are all returning into that one God. There is only one body, one spirit, one Lord, <clears throat> one God and Father of all, and we go right back into that body. And this time enhanced because there is no limit of translucency, no limit to expansion. There is only a limit to opacity and contraction and we have reached that limit of contraction and opacity. We now will start the expansion, and the things begin to expand in us, and the plan unfolds in us. And that is the only way by which we return to that divine congregation. There is no other way.
Diets won't do it. Knowing the right people won't do it. You can meditate from now till the end of time. Go and sit on a mattress till you simply turn into worms. You still can't do it. Nothing on the outside is going to do it. You simply put all your hope on this grace that is coming to you. <coughs> Excuse me, at the veiling of Christ within you. Then the whole thing unveils within you and you are the same being in the eyes of those who know you as you were before. The same being, primitive being. And they look at you amazed that you dare to claim that you have experienced Christ because their concept of Christ is so false. Hasn't a thing to do with Christ of Scripture. Example, three years ago in Barbados, we had a small dinner party. Two ministers and their wives, lovely men, well-known and well-liked. I said I had experienced the story of Jesus Christ, that is, that it was not a secular story at all, not a thing to do with the world of Caesar. While we walk in this world, we are redeemed by the pattern unfolding in us, that Christ is the pattern man. Buried in man, and the pattern unfolds, and you are he. So I came to the point of David. I said to the Episcopalian that after birth of the Christ child within me, a child that I held in my own hands and expressed my feeling of tenderness towards the Christ child, and five months later I encountered God's only begotten son, and his name is David, David of Scripture. I will tell of the decree of the Lord, he said unto me, Thou art my son, today I have begotten thee. And then to illustrate to him, being an Episcopalian, I said that in 22 Matthew and 20 Luke, you'll read, He asked those who listened to him, What think ye of the Christ? Whose son is he? And they answered, The son of David. He said, Why then did David and the Spirit call him Lord? If David thus calls him Lord, then how can he be David's son? I said to him, David and the Spirit called me Father. And I knew that I was his father, and I knew that he was my son. We both knew this relationship of father-son. The Episcopalian minister said to, the, to me that he did not call him father. He called him my lord. I said that is an expression every child in the ancient world used concerning his or her father. So when scripture records my lord, it is only telling you it's my father. Well, he wouldn't go along with that. It was a nice dinner party, so I didn't press it. <coughs> Excuse me. But here... In Genesis 31:35, Genesis is the seed, very seed plot of the whole Bible. If you don't know Genesis, you aren't going to know the Bible. Here is the story. If you're not familiar with it, Jacob had two women, two sisters, Leah and Rachel. He thought that his father-in-law, Laban, was not as favor favorably disposed towards him now as he formerly had been. And so without telling Laban, what he planned to do, he hastily gathered all of his possessions together. Camel, goats, sheep, and his two women and took off. When Laban found out what Jacob had done, he started off in pursuit of him and found him and accused him of stealing his household gods. He searched Jacob. His caravan couldn't find them. He searched Leah's rooms and couldn't find them. He went into Rachel's rooms and Jacob didn't know Rachel had taken the gods. So she took them and put them into the saddle of a camel, and then sat upon the saddle. So when the father came in, he searched diligently, and he couldn't find them. She said to her father, actual quote from 3135, and she said to her father, Let not my lord be angry, equates father with my lord. She gives reasons why she couldn't rise, because I cannot rise before you, for it is as it is unto women. 
the ways of women are upon me. For that is a reason for that little moment in a woman's life that comes every month. It is mentioned as manner when it comes to Sarah. I, at ninety years old, could have a son, when it has long ceased to be with me after the manner of women. She could no longer conceive, but this one could, for she was a young one, Rachel, and she is simply stating that this is that moment of the month, and therefore I cannot rise before my lord. So she is calling her father my lord. You do not understand the seed plot you are going to miss the entire Bible. He told me. No, he called me, or called him, my lord. I said that meant my father, and explained the ancient always called the father my lord. He didn't see it because he couldn't believe that David, who was not taught in his concept of Christianity, to be the son of God in spite of the fact he reads it in the second psalm. He was taught so long to believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God, not knowing that they are one, I and my Father are one. He who sees me has seen the Father. How then can you say, show us the Father? So the creative power of God can't be separate from God. It is God. The wisdom of God can't be torn away from God. It is God. So that is a pattern in man for man's redemption. So we are the gods. If you dwell upon that fact, that we are the gods, everyone, even though we kill each other, but the killing of each other is simply a grand illusion, for the gods cannot die. They seem to, buy, they seem to die, but they cannot. As the serpent said, and he was called the wisest creature that God had made, a symbol once more of Jesus Christ, and God said to you, you would die. Yes, you will not surely die. The day you eat thereof, you'll become as the gods, knowing good and evil. Well, his prophecy came true. For then the gods said, Behold, the man has become as we are, knowing good and evil. So he did not lie nor beguile. He simply prophesied a truth, which came to pass. But all the wisdom of man in this world is not good enough to redeem man. A pattern had to be contained in man to redeem him, and there is no other way to God. So you will get these arguments, surely to the Chinese, Indian, to the so-and-so. There must be another way other than the way you call the Christian way. No, there are the Christian Indians, Christian Chinese, etc. They are all over the world. The foundation is Judaism, and Judaism, the seed plot. It is the foundation while Christianity is its fulfillment. It is not the other way around. Christ comes to fulfill, but doesn't come the way you were taught. A woman giving birth to a child. There's a woman, but not that woman who bears from below. That's Hagar, and she can only bear children into slavery. But there's another woman, the woman from above, called Jerusalem from above, and she bears into liberty. Now here's a lovely experience of a friend who was here tonight. She said, I found myself on a horse. I'm riding. Then my mother dies. Then I take the place of my mother. That's the dream. May I tell her, that is an enormous leap forward. An enormous leap forward. The horse is always the symbol of the mind and you, the rider, to control it. It must have something to control the mind. If my mind isn't controlled by me, the rider, then it goes berserk. So I am riding the horse of my mind. Now my mother dies. I was born a woman. A woman gave me birth. This garment. 
So that is my mother, my physical mother in the world of Caesar. Now my mother dies, and I take her place because there must be a second birth. I must be the twice-born man. But the second one, I'll give birth to myself, so I have become my mother, or I have become the mother. So my second birth is when I give birth to myself. So she has become the woman who is now capable of giving birth to herself. And that one simple little dream and enormous leap in the right direction toward the second birth. Then these two experiences, one from three gentlemen, very humorous, I fell asleep simply desiring to teach the Bible. So I imagined I was teaching the Bible and instructing a group. I fell into a sleep from my daydream into a real sleep, and here I am teaching the Bible, explaining it, and telling them how to interpret it. While I am doing this, suddenly I see this light and energy coming from my head, an enormous head, my head and face seem twice the size. Well, with all this energy and enormous power, even my knees seem to be radiating energy. I thought I would now do something about it. I thought I was awake. I had been sleeping for an hour or two and thought I was awake. So I got off my bed in my third floor apartment, downstairs, and thought I'll go and see Jan. I'm going to fly, and I'll take this energy and simply use it and fly. So when I got downstairs, I said, How stupid of me, I could have flown through the window from the third floor. So I went back upstairs to the third floor and I took off. There I am flying at 10 to 15 feet above the ground on my own energy. It's dark, it's early in the morning, and I'm on my way to Janet's. I say to myself, I'm not getting a good view from 15 feet, so I'll simply go a little higher and I increase the altitude. Up I went for a better view and I thought to myself, supposing a cop takes a pot shot at me because they see this man flying through space, he might all of a sudden shoot me. At least try to, but I said to myself, no, he can't. He can't see me. So when I got to Jan's place, I said, no, her daughter will be home now, and if I disturb her daughter, she'll give me hell. So I thought, I'll go to Marge's instead. Flew off to Marge's house. But arriving there, I thought, oh, now suppose instead of Marge answering the door, her husband Ray answers. That would be terrible. So I flew back home again. Went back to bed, and suddenly I put my hand up, and it went 18 inches above my head. Couldn't feel my head. Then when I could feel my head, all that strange feeling disappeared, and I'm once more normal, back on the bed. But, he said, I did it. I know that there is something in me that is a power. There is a wisdom that is not known to this little thing I put to bed and wake in the morning. There is something in me now stirring, and I proved it before I was fully conscious in everything I did. Another gentleman, and he's here tonight, I found myself in an ancient city. I was there for the purpose of teaching everyone to fly. So I took off and came gently down on my back. Then at that moment I looked up and here stands my Jan. His Jan is very dear to him, and she happens to be his mother-in-law. There she is, dressed in a monk's robe. She isn't a day over twenty, perfectly beautiful, dressed in a monk's robe. As she takes my hand in her hands and silently congratulates me on my feet. And then it suddenly is changed a bit and here's my brother Paul at my side. I do have in this world of Caesar a brother whose name is Paul. At that moment I awoke. I was fully awake at the doing. I knew I was dreaming and I knew I was doing what I was doing. You can call it a dream within a dream, but I knew I was dreaming exactly what I was doing when I did it. So here we are becoming aware of this power in us. 
and use it in many ways until finally the pattern unfolds, and it comes suddenly like a thief in the night. No one knows when Christ will erupt in man, but Christ is the pattern man, not a man who walked the earth 2,000 years ago. When we fell as one man, the pattern came with us, or we couldn't even breathe. This is the power within us, the wisdom within us, and the only escape from this world of sin and death is by the way of Christ, which is the pattern man. So you will start with the birth of Christ, you will be born from above, and all that is said of him in scripture concerning that infant child wrapped in swaddling clothes you will experience. It will be your experience, your child to your birth. That is the sign of your birth. Then comes the discovery of the fatherhood of God, and you are the father. God, for his son, calls you father. How this is the great mystery, how can you, individualized as you are, how can the sleeper, individualized as he is, be one? Well, if your son calls me father and he is my son, then we are not one God, one father. For your David is not going to be other than the David who called me father. There is only one David, and that one David will call everyone, when it unfolds within him, Father. You will know that you are the Father, and you will know Scripture, and God is the Father. For I will tell of the decree of the Lord, He said unto me, Thou art my Son, today I have begotten thee. While of the whole vast world of billions of us have this experience where God's Son calls him Father, and he knows it as there is no uncertainty to this relationship, then are we not all one? One Father, one Body, one Spirit, one Lord, one God and Father of all. And it takes the Son to reveal it. For no one has ever seen God but the only Son, who is in the bosom of the Father. He has made him known. So you can't look at me and see the Father. Only the Son can tell me that I am the Father. And he tells it to me in a first-person, present-tense experience. So you can believe me or disbelieve me. <coughs> That's your privilege. But I do know you are going to have it. And after you have it, you'll know the truth of my words. And you will know that we are one. You and I are actually one because we have the same son. If we are the father of the same son, then we are one father. So no one has ever seen the son no one knows who the Son is except the Father. And no one knows who the Father is except the Son, and to anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Well, if no one knows who the Son is except the Father, and you're going to tell me that you see him on the outside, are you going to see him on the outside when only the Father knows him? You will never see him on the outside. This drama unfolds within you. It is a divine drama, the drama of salvation. When the Son comes before you and calls you Father. So here these two must come first. Then comes the splitting of the temple, where you do not take the blood of another, the blood of a goat, etc. You take your own blood. You are split from top to bottom, and at the base of your spine is golden liquid light. It is the blood of God, and you are it. For it was just revealed to you just four months before that you are the father of God's only begotten son. So who now is split? It is you, and therefore it is God who is split from top to bottom. It is God's blood, and it's your blood, and you fuse with it. And up you go as prophesied in scripture. 
right into the temple of your own being. Then the dove will descend two years and nine months later and smother you with affection. Who is a dove but the symbol of the Holy Spirit who descends upon him? And this is a completed drama. From then on, your work here is finished and you only linger to tell it. Either write it out or tell it to those who will listen to it carefully. Maybe they will write it or maybe they will continue telling it. But you tell it while you remain for the remaining days or years. Then when you depart this time, you depart forever. You have ascended into heaven, back into that divine congregation. So Jesus Christ does not merely point the way, he is the way. Jesus Christ is the only way to God the Father, and the union is simply the unfolding pattern, or the unfolding of the pattern in you. You can't get any closer than that when the pattern unfolds in you, not as something on the outside, but in the first person, present tense experience. It is not happening to him, it is happening to me. And so that is union with Christ, for he is the pattern. Christ is the pattern man. The whole thing unfolds within the individual, and then he knows who Christ is. Then he knows the gospel. He knows scripture. So even though an able, brilliant, intelligent man like my friend in Barbados, who would stand and be blocked by that one little thing that I said he called me father, he said, no, he called Christ my Lord, and could not get over that hump that the ancient always called the father my Lord. Well, chronologically speaking, wasn't David of the ancient world? If you take it chronologically, he was supposed to have lived, but he didn't, as we understand it. 1000 BC. Here it is, 2000 AD, and here is a man who is only 63, claiming that one who lived 3000 years ago is his son. I tell you, he is my son, more so than any physical son who calls me father. He is 44, but he is not any more my son. I am told by his mother that I sired him. I take that on faith, but I have no woman in David. He has no mother. I have begotten him. He is my son. He has no mother. Unlike my physical son who has a mother, and I have to go on faith that I did participate in this creation of a body, but that is purely on faith. In this case, there is no uncertainty when he stands before you, calls you father. You have always been his father, and he has always been your son. And there is no other creator in bringing him into that relationship of son to father. So there is no mother. If you read scripture, scripture carefully, in spite of the fact, the book of Ruth does give him a mother and in Chronicles. But Chronicles is not altogether as complete as Samuel. Samuel is the book that tells the story of David and the most scholarly of all biblical criticism, which is the Encyclopedia Biblica, states quite openly that by tradition he had no mother. But churches have inserted throughout scripture, in spite of the warning, do not add to the words of this book. And they have added verse after verse simply to build upon or to build up the traditions of man. But these are not the revelations of God as recorded by the ancients. So when new editions come out, we delete anything that has been inserted that was not there in the original manuscripts. So you'll find many things inserted, and that is one where they gave him a mother, to give it reason in the world, because how can you have a man, and he doesn't have a mother? So to give it a secular treatment, they put a mother into this picture, and David has no mother. 
Read it carefully and you'll find in the book of Samuel he has none. Also you find in the second psalm, I will tell of the decree of the Lord. He didn't speak of any mother. You are my son, today I have begotten thee. Here he is the anointed of the Lord. So the only way to God is union with Christ. There's no other way. And whether there are three and a half billion of us in the world, and tomorrow five billion, and maybe eventually ten billion, it makes no difference. That is a fulfillment of prophecy. I'll give you descendants more numerous than you can number. That is said of Ishmael, and we are Ishmael, the wild ass whose hand is against every man, and every man's hand against his. The kindest person in the world. Push him hard enough and threaten someone he loves, and you'll find he is not quite as gentle as he thought he was. He will react as an animal would react if pressed hard enough. Threaten the one he loves like a child, his wife or her husband, and if that really is a deep affection, they will die in the attempt to protect what they love. Well, that is a being spoken of as Ishmael, his hand against every man, and every man's hand against his. The economic war is just as great, in fact more so than the war. When people are impoverished by the greed of others, not just one person suffers, many do. First of all, they are embarrassed. They are lowered into extreme poverty and so to gain, and so to again, another euphemism, instead of calling it poor, no, he is underprivileged. So we take all these words and dress up with so hard, hard statements where, if we use them, we'll see exactly what the man ha- what the man is. He is poor, he has nothing. No, he's underprivileged. Well, a person can be underprivileged and still not be poor, but they don't say that. I tell you, the conflict is on. It was all foreseen. You will die like men and fall like one man, O princes. It was not because you and I did anything that was wrong for this is God's plan, and we agreed to dream in concert. To fall into these states and then come out of these states having experienced them. So I do not consider either the just or the wicked to be in a supreme state, but to be every one of them states of the sleep the soul may fall into in its deadly dreams of good and evil, as it leaves paradise following the serpent. When he falls into these states, he falls into something that is either lovely or unlovely. Those who find themselves in a comfortable state, they think they earned it because of some past, though they didn't No, they haven't earned anything. These are only states. Today, money, my father always had a statement, and he doesn't care who owns it. So don't let anyone tell you because a man is rich that they are in any way superior. If most who have money would just go back a generation or so, they wouldn't want to write about it, not its origin. They'll brag about the fruit of the tree, but not how how the tree came into being. So let no one brag about it. You can be anything you want to be if you know this law. They are all states. How would I feel if it were true? Then try to feel what you would feel if it were true. Then look into my mind for confirmation of that assumption. And see my friends congratulating me. See my friends empathize with me. They actually are so rejoicing with me that I know they are seeing what I am seeing. Now let me make the habit of this way of thinking, of thinking, and so when I go to bed, feel this state. When I wake tomorrow and everything denies it, feel that state. 
the state felt to which I returned constantly, becomes my home, and that home objectified itself and crystallizes in my world. But never forget the vision. Keep the divine vision in time of trouble. The divine vision in the story of Jesus Christ, he is the pattern. So no matter what happens to you, always keep the divine vision in time of trouble. You have seen it in words, and one day you will experience it. You've heard it. I've told you exactly what happened to me, and I am not alone. In this audience, there are others who have experienced it, and many others are on the verge of it. May I tell you, I'm thrilled beyond measure. I'm waiting eagerly for anyone at any time or many to tell me, call me up, write me at the birth. Because I know on the heels of that, only nine months and the three major ones are over. And then two years, nine months later, what's that? What's two years and nine months waiting to complete the 42 months of revelation or the times, time and a half, a time or the 1,260 days? This is the measurement between the birth and its completeness when the dove descends. So I cannot give you anything comparable to this. If tonight you inherited by the use of the law a million dollars, a billion dollars, how could it compare to the departure from the world into which you have fallen and go back enriched because no one is going back poor. Everyone is going back enriched because we are the gods. We came down for a purpose. Everyone who returns by way of Christ, there is no other way but by the way of Christ, goes right back into the one body, the one spirit, the one Lord, one God and Father of it all. There is rejoicing in heaven because one has returned. They are coming up one after the other. So you will have it, and you'll tell others to encourage them to hold on to the vision and keep the faith to the very end. And then all will eventually return. When all these masks were off, the white mask, pink mask, black mask, we were never the mask we wore. We were, the, we were the gods we were before the fall, and we are still the gods that we were, only enhanced by reason of experience of the fall. For we came down into death and conquered death, died like men, yes, yet still overcame death. Now let us go into the silence. Other than to assume you don't need the aid of any being in this world, the power within you can do it all. It is Christ. Assume the most noble concept of yourself that you are honored in this world. A nice feeling. Not among men, but by putting funny little things on you. But to feel honored. You feel dignified. No matter where you go, you feel welcome. That no closed doors, regardless of their present limitations, there aren't any closed doors. And you feel and walk this way. Then may I tell you doors will open all over, so no chip on your shoulder, no battles to fight. You know who you are. You are God. You don't have to go on the street and scream, I am God. But you'll know it. That is far greater than ta talking it and trying to persuade others that you are, and they are not, because there is no one who is not God. Every child born of woman is that one descending from the divine society. Everyone. And that one by one way and one way only is going to return after this journey is over are there any other questions please question i don't understand when a child is born here in this material world it sometimes at the age of two or three or four leaves and neville answered sir departure from this world is not death it is a lesson for those that are left behind 
the individual who departs from this world finds himself instantly restored in a body, same as before, but new, unaccountably new in a world just like this, yet terrestrial world, and he is in an environment best suited for the work to be done in him. That work is the unfolding of this pattern man. His entrance here could be for the most fantastic lesson for the parent. I have in New York City two darlings. They met in my meeting on a blind date. She had just enough to go to Paris, and he hadn't yet been to Paris at the time. She said, Neville, it seems insane. All I have is a quickie. One week, and I have to live in a very modest little place. But I've longed to go to Paris. I know no one there. Do you think I'm foolish? I said no. As far as I'm concerned, do anything your heart desires. So she bought her little round-trip ticket to Paris. The second night she was there, she went out on a blind date and met the man. He was already married five times, no offspring, and divorced each. He was fabulously wealthy and an awfully nice chap, many years her senior. She was a girl, beautiful girl, a model out there in her early 30s, and he was a man on in years. Not by his standards, as he, as he always felt himself 20 and still does at 77. But they were blessed with a little boy, little Larry, and two years later blessed with a second, and they named him after me, Neville. Well, Larry was killed two weeks ago last Sunday, Saturday in London. He was in college first year. They got a cable saying that he had had a fatal car accident. Now he has all the money in the world. He plotted everything for Larry. Now this is a lesson for Joseph and Louise. They'll learn it, that money isn't everything. They tried to cushion him against everything in this world by setting up trust funds, this, that, and the other. Now it is a lesson for Joseph to learn at the age of 77, for they can't bring him back. But Larry is alive. Larry is not dead. Larry is restored to life. He is not mangled as he was in the sudden death in the auto accident. Not a thing is missing. He is a restored youth, a beautiful youth, just as he was when he was here at the age of 17. He was an unusually handsome fellow, a little taller than I am, and evidence of growing even taller than that. He was a perfect darling, all right. So he is gone. He doesn't need their cushion of dollars and cents, but they needed a lesson of the laws. And so they cry out, as you have it in scripture, O Absalom, my son, my son. With that, I had died instead of thee. So he had to learn a lesson in the death of his son. So we will find in the end of that, in the end, that mercy, infinite mercy, did it all. Doesn't seem right, but I tell you, God is infinitely merciful, and we are the gods. You wouldn't think it when you see man's man's inhumanity to man, but he still is infinitely merciful. But I tell you, you are the God spoken of in the 82nd Psalm, which scholars claim is the most difficult psalm of the 150. And the idea said this great scholar, Thomas Shane, who was the editor in charge of the Encyclopedia Biblica. He took these ancient manuscripts and he was the editor in charge. The volume is that thick. Today it is out in four volumes, each still that big. It is considered the most scholarly of high biblical criticism. He said that the ideas in this psalm might have been for everyone, but their meaning has long been lost to us. We have no understanding, really, because he can't conceive that God and gods and that God is saying to the gods that you are sons of the Most High, 
Nevertheless, you will die like men and fall as one man, O princes. Then comes the fall, one man containing all men, then the return to that divine bliss. But beyond the wildest, the wildest dream of anything known here. For you can't conceive of what you have shut out in coming here. We're all suffering from total amnesia. Then when you return, you return to the glory that was yours before the world was. But you bring back the glory of the experience of conquering death. For the gods can't die. So they actually, so they had to actually enter into a state where they die like men and still they can't die. Therefore they have overcome death. Then the creative power of God is increased by reason of all of us going back, bringing out talent that we have exercised and increased. Came down with our talent. We go back with our talent multiplied, and the power of God is enhanced that much, and all are only one God. There's only one God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There's no greater confession of faith than that. The minute you start, other gods, put any man up as some important person, you are making another God. And don't. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. There is no other. That is our greatest confession, the Shama. Now the time is up until Friday. Thank you. Now let us go into the silence. Okay, so that is the end of Neville Goddard's lecture titled The Way. Thank you so much for joining me for today's episode. I hope everyone has a wonderful day or evening, depending on where you are at. And I will see you next time. Thanks so much.